We have all heard the phrase, cash is king. Well, I'm going to rephrase it. Having just enough cash is king so we can buy assets and grow our wealth with the rest. What's up, retirees and pre-retirees? Welcome back to the Functional Retirement Podcast, where we get technical about your wealth, philosophical about your purpose, and inspirational about your fitness. I'm your host, Thatcher Taylor, and I harp on all of my clients about cash. Not too much, not too little, just the right amount. So today, we're talking all things emergency fund and sinking fund, I suppose. So a couple quotes to start. Henry David Thoreau wrote, wealth is the ability to fully experience life. That couldn't be more true. And then Mark Twain wrote, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the ones that you did do. Now, Mark Twain most likely was talking about experiences or attempts to grow and take chances in this life. However, 20 years seems like the window of time where you look back and you're grateful that you had accumulated the right amount of cash because it seems like every 20 years or so, something really catastrophic happens. So before we move on with the rest of the show, we get into the meat of this big cash meal. I need to ask you, it's very important that if you're listening to this, that you go leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this episode on. Apple's the most common. Most people listen on Apple, then Spotify, then YouTube, and Amazon and Google are up there too. But go leave a great five-star review because I cannot describe how much that helps the show grow. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Now off we go. Okay. We need to first discuss the difference between an emergency fund and a sinking fund. Those are different. You may have heard those terms, but it's very important that we distinguish the two. And then throughout this podcast, we're going to actually get to describing the situations where you may need cash. But we're also going to work through the flow chart of how you get to how much cash you need. So you can leave here with something actual. You can leave thinking about how to review your cash situation now and how to make sure you're not putting too much cash away. Because again, we want to invest the rest. You need to invest the rest. You need to buy assets. You need to grow. You need to build wealth. Because remember, Henry David Thoreau, wealth is the ability to fully experience life. And if you are cash poor, you didn't prepare properly, when something catastrophic happens, usually out of your control, you do not want to have to worry. And then you have to limit your ability to experience life. So emergency fund and sinking fund. And the reason we're going to distinguish the two, because as soon as we start working through this, you're going to think through expenses that are assuredly going to be sinking fund expenses, not emergency expenses. So an emergency fund is something that you need to store cash for that's unexpected. You can maybe think through it, maybe like a job loss, but it's usually the timing of that is unexpected. Uh, You need money for big car repairs, hopefully your insurance covers it. But if you need big car repairs, like maintenance repairs, you're going to need an emergency fund because those are usually unexpected. 
unexpected expenses fall in to the emergency fund and the amount needed kind of depends on what you are potentially thinking about may happen to you. And before we go any further, I know the other piece of this is insurance. You need to make sure you have enough insurance and protection because the big, big expenses are usually protected by insurance, life insurance, homeowner's insurance, car insurance, renter's insurance, fire insurance, whatever type of insurance, flood insurance. Those things should be protected if you perceive them to be concerns. But some other stuff, an emergency fund. But that's why I say only enough. Too many people have too much money in an emergency fund. The sinking fund is for more attainable non-emergency related goals. Examples of this would be a vacation, down payment on a first or a second home, kids' college, kids' expenses, events or activities, vacations. These things that aren't necessarily emergencies, they're important. Don't get me wrong. They are important and we need to plan for them. But the sinking fund is attributed to something that we know will happen at some point in the future, usually one to three years away. That's the difference. Think of them each from a different mentality, emergency versus a goal, something that's very important to you. And you'll start to look through a lot of these, what should I be putting my money away for questions? And you'll find the answers a lot more simply. The main reasons to distinguish these are twofold. One, so we can allocate the proper amounts to each category. Because a good financial plan and someone that has a good control on their finances is going to allocate to each category. Second, so you know how to store the money. And by storage, I mean, how will it be invested or not invested? What type of rate of return you're going to get? how much volatility you're going to expose it to. That's the difference. Those two things. Think of it as a football team. I always use football analogies. I was a football player. I love football. But think of the best teams. They have a good balance on offense and defense. Those are the best teams. That's what we need to develop your retirement portfolio around is a good defense so we can have a good offense. We're going to break the emergency fund out and kind of general expenses and unexpected expenses. We kind of discussed that initially, but I think we need to start diving deeper into the procedure to get to how much you need and where to put it. Everyone with me so far? If you are listening on or watching on YouTube, excuse me, go ahead and like, hit that thumbs up and subscribe. But again, reviews. If you have any more questions, a lot of these podcasts are developed from listener questions, emails down below. You can ask any question and maybe it'll make it on the podcast. But even if it doesn't make it on the podcast, I'll make sure to reply so you can get the knowledge that you need. Okay, so emergency fund issues. First, you need to ask yourself, do you think your emergency fund is underfunded? In, in most cases, the answer is yes. A large portion of society couldn't cover a $1,000 unexpected expense. So once you first realize, okay, I got an underfunded emergency fund, then you can start thinking about, all right, how do I fix that? The majority of your emergency fund should be held in a bank account, if not all of it. It should be in some sort of savings or interest-bearing type account. 
that is not going to fluctuate with the marketplace. So then the question becomes, how much do I need in there? The majority of your emergency funds should be used to cover the catastrophes, and that could expand all the way out to job loss. But you also need to think about how much insurance do you have, and then what is your family size? Is it just you? Is it a big family with kids? That helps distinguish how much you need. And then you can go to your job. Is your job consistent or is it volatile? Is it commission-based or is it a good salary? Then you can, from those two questions, you can start to think about what may need to be set aside in the event of emergencies. Another question that you might want to dive into really quickly is medical expenses. Do you have a health savings account or a flexible spending account? Those can be used as an emergency type account in the event of a random health expense that your insurance doesn't cover. And especially with a health savings account, if you have one, those are high deductible plans. By IRS guidelines, by law, you have to have a high deductible plan. So that means you're going to have to come out of pocket with a lot of cash before you can get coverage from the insurance. So you need to evaluate whether or not you have that. So let's go over some general issues that we can use to distinguish how much money we need in an emergency fund. Emergency fund. Let's put the sinking fund to the side for a minute. I think the first place you need to go is you need to review your monthly expenses. As always, it's somewhat of a budget. Maybe not a budget in the sense of we're going to restrict everything, but I think it's a budget to understand how much you're spending, which is one of the most valuable pieces of a budget. If you're spending unknowingly how much is going out of your account, you're going to set yourself up for difficult times in the future. So what you need to do is you need to sit down and evaluate how much you think you need to live. Because again, this is an emergency. So when something bad happens, you might have to cut some corners if you're not prepared properly. So let's say it costs you 5000 bucks a month. And let's say you're single. Maybe you only need three months of expenses on the side. So that's 15000 bucks. But say you have a family and you want to protect yourself a little bit more, maybe that number is six months or $30,000. And I know that seems daunting, but if your family is spending $5,000 a month, you're going to need to put money on the side in the event of catastrophe. And before you start calling me crazy, I have run in to a bunch of clients where unexpected things happen. Current clients, unexpected things happen. It comes out of the woodworks and they're not as prepared as they should be. So we need to make sure to build their emergency fund. And then think about some other things. So let's say six months, you got a couple kids. So that's 30 grand. Medical bills, say you need an extra thousand bucks. So now we're at $31,000. Uh, what if your car breaks down? Maybe an extra thousand bucks. So now we're at 32,000 bucks. What if you have dogs or cats? Veterinary bills are expensive. So let's say another $2,000. So now we're at $34,000. And then any other emergencies that you can think of where you might need to come out of pocket, say a relative. There are people that I encounter that have relatives that need money here and there. So say you're at $35,000. Now you're thinking about all the elements that could be emergencies, catastrophic things that you can kind of think about could happen, but they may necessarily not happen. You might not have a car that's broke down or a family member that needs any money or take your dogs to the vet or cats ate a hairball and they got to take them to the vet and get their stomach pumped or something. 
those may not happen, but that's the point of an emergency fund. It just needs to be there in the event of it happening. So let's say, oh, dog's got to go to the vet. It, this is a really nasty story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. My dog ate my son's diaper. Disgusting. I was concerned that I was going to have to take him to the vet. That easily could have been a thousand bucks, but I was not super concerned about that. Yeah, I didn't want to spend the thousand dollars because my dog ate a diaper, but I was okay thinking through the process where if we go to the vet, I got the money. It's it's going to be okay. It doesn't ruin everything. Uh, in a nutshell, I did the hydrogen peroxide method, put a little bit down my dog's throat, hundred pound lab, puked it right up. We're good to go. That was a couple of days ago. So anyway, if you don't have that courage or that craziness like we did, you might have to take your dog to the vet. We hope that doesn't happen. I haven't taken my dog to the vet for anything catastrophic in years, but it's just an example and dogs are expensive. But now that we've established a potential amount in those specific categories, now we can start to think about where that should be held. Like I mentioned before, potentially a savings account a money market fund, a high yield savings account, or maybe U.S. treasuries. That could be an option, but I don't love the U.S. treasury idea because they're more difficult to get out. You want it very, very liquid for an emergency fund. A sinking fund, on the other hand, could be a U.S. treasury where we're not going to buy a house for a year. Let's put some money in there and see if we can't earn some return above and beyond the original principal that we put in for the next year. It could be a money market. It could be bond funds, which I don't love, but I've heard people say that, so I would never recommend that. But you can start to think about your sinking fund is more long-term, so let's put it on pl in places that are going to generate a little bit more yield. And right now, yields are great. You can find a high-yield account for 5% right now. So you put 50 grand in there, you're going to get an extra 2500 bucks just for doing nothing over the next year and for planning the right way. A couple of things you want to review or consider, I should say, is do you own rental properties? You may need to put another thirty dollars or $40,000 aside for rental properties. Now, the emergency fund for rental properties is to make sure you can pay your mortgage in the event of renters not being there, or you need to buy a new refrigerator, or there's a pipe that burst. Those dollars need to be allocated to be in a place that's easily liquid that can be used for those expenses. But think about the sinking fund portion of your rental property is you don't have to do an update now, but you know you're going to have to update something in 24 months. You can allocate those funds to a different place that are outside of the emergency or unexpected category. Another thing you want to consider is, are you a business owner? Obviously, if you don't have any cash flow and you can't find additional dollars in the event of an unusual circumstance in your business, that could really ruin your business long-term growth or the sustainability of your business. So making sure you have business-related expenses put on the side for maybe more supplies, replacement parts, payroll. There's a variety of things. Oh, taxes. Can't forget taxes. You need to understand that as a business owner, you need to allocate those expenses to an emergency fund. And then any long-term goals like a renovation, a rebuild, purchasing a new product line, that could be moved towards the sinking fund.
one thing I want to discuss is what to do about debt. So when we're talking about expenses and sinking funds, debt is a unique version of these where we owe money. But debt can become a problem in the event of emergency where we still got to make those debt payments. So we want to try our best to allocate funds to those goals after we have an emergency fund set up. So I think the debt reduction strategy fits in between the emergency fund and the sinking fund where it's reasonable to expect that you can't have your cake and eat it too, that maybe the down payment on the house in two years should be used to reduce debt as opposed to buying the property. Maybe that $10,000 vacation to Europe needs to be put on hold so you can reduce that credit card a little bit further because the interest right now on credit cards, unless you have a 0% card, which those expire, the 0% rate expires, you will have substantial monthly payments to reduce down credit cards. So I think the debt reduction strategy fits in between the emergency fund and the sinking fund. So let's use a couple examples. One example is 2008 and 2009. This example directly correlates to if you're a pre-retiree and a retiree. 2008, 2009, and even 2010 was a very difficult 24-month stretch for the marketplace. And what happened to a lot of baby boomers or people that were coming into retirement is a lot of their money was invested in the marketplace. And a lot of their assets lost value. So they were having to sell assets at 50 cents on the dollar to meet their monthly or annual spending needs. This is where you heard a lot of the stories. Oh, my retirement was ruined due to the housing market. Or some people, they really took advantage of that market. Most people took advantage of that marketplace because they had money prepared and ready to go on the side. In addition, other people that survived the market had money or cash set aside to give their assets time to come back. What if you needed $50,000 of income going into retirement and your assets dropped? What if you gave your assets three months? To recoup, or excuse me, three years to recuperate. And you were able to do that by putting $150,000 on the side. So you had three years of income prepared and ready to go. You bucketed and segmented that away in a quote unquote emergency fund to protect you in the event of market downturns. That's a great way to use an emergency fund in a real world situation. This happened in 2020 with COVID. 2022 was a terrible year for the marketplace. There are periods of time where you may need that money. Now, that's more of an elaborate income distribution strategy, but that can be the same because what happens in market downturns for younger individuals in their high earning years? Job loss. Job loss happens in very difficult economic times. The only way to protect yourself or buy time to find a new job or get you back on your feet is to have money set aside. What if you want to buy a vacation home? or a second home. You need that down payment. You don't want that down payment invested in the SP 500 because of the volatility. You put $50,000 in a place where you think it's going to turn into a little bit more, but let's say it turns into 40, you just lost $10,000 of a down payment on your new property, which could delay your goals. You want to make sure that that money is invested a little bit differently. Again, it may be a high yield account. But to be honest, it's probably a high yield account. That's not a recommendation, but it's the idea that you can put 
your $50,000 in a place where in two years you can still access $50,000 and maybe a little bit more. You got to look at your emergency fund and sinking fund from two different lenses, before retirement and after retirement. The design of these two is completely different because the goals are different. For example, if you retire at 65 and you do not have a job anymore and you're distributing assets to meet your income needs, anything above social security or pensions or any fixed income sources, having a six-month emergency fund isn't as valuable as maybe a three-year emergency fund. Whereas pre-retirement, if you're 46, I'm just throwing a round number, say you're 53, whatever number you want to choose, and you lose your job, you still have personal capital. You still have the ability to go earn more money. So maybe you don't need three years of expenses. Maybe you just need six months to a year to find a new job or the market isn't catastrophic. You just had some sort of layoffs in your company. So the design of these is different. The goals of these are different. You're still accumulating. You're wanting to invest more, which is the big piece of this puzzle. Cash doesn't build wealth. It protects it. A sinking fund doesn't build wealth. It protects it. It's a goals-based mentality. The reason we have these protection accounts is so that we can invest and let those invested assets grow over long periods of time. You do not want to continue to access invested assets to meet short-term obligations because the real growth takes time. Compounding doesn't happen until the back end. You will destroy your opportunity to accumulate wealth by not having a good cash management plan set up. Just like Mark Twain said, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the ones that you did do. You will be disappointed in 20 years that you didn't protect yourself with cash and invest the rest. My phrase, cash is king, is not complete. How I rephrase it, Having just enough cash is king so we can buy assets and grow our wealth with the rest. So if you make a certain amount of money and you have a cash fund, say you have $50,000 set up and ready to go to protect you in the event of catastrophe, and you have an excess of two or $3,000 per month, now you have the ability to invest two or $3,000 per month on an ongoing basis to start to accumulate assets and prepare for your future and achieve your goals. Because the only way to do that, achieve your goals, is to accumulate assets that grow over long periods of time so they're there decades in the future. There is some inflation that's going to eat into your cash. That's the cost of protection. We can adjust as we go. Cash savings or emergency savings should be evaluated at least on an annual basis. And you have to know that discipline is going to be your key element in this process because it's going to be hard to watch $50,000, as an example, just sit there and maybe do nothing to make sure you're protected. But it's going to be a beautiful thing to watch as your assets accumulate because you're investing the rest and it's getting high quality growth as long as you're using a high quality portfolio built to achieve your future goals. Cash is king 
only when you utilize it the right way. I hope this was helpful in distinguishing the difference between cash and sinking funds. And I really just wanted to emphasize the importance of doing this. There is no argument for not having any cash. There really, there really isn't because then that means the remaining of your assets are either one, not there. You don't have any additional assets. You, you don't have enough income to meet your needs. So you just accumulated any debt or two, everything is invested in something that's going to have price fluctuation. You don't need to have all your money in cash. You just need to have a little bit of it. It could be as little as 1% of your assets in cash. You need $50,000 in cash, but you need a million dollars. That's 5% in cash. That is not a terrible way to view all this to make sure that you are protected and you can let that million dollars continue to grow. Because now if you have a million dollars invested and you get 10%, now you have 1.1 million. So the amount of cash you had goes down to what? 4%, just rough math. Plan ahead, plan properly. Planning is the way to freedom. Thanks for listening again. I hope you like this. Make sure to leave a review. Send me any emails with any questions that you have and make sure to stay tuned to next week. We may have a phenomenal guest. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.